Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Novel. A listener note, this episode contains violence and content that some listeners might find distressing. Previously on Deliver Us from Herbal. Welcome to Colonia La Baron. Julian, come and say hi to, to Jesse. Let's go this way. We were going to Zion, a place for Jesus to return. I was all prepared to see a beautiful, wonderful place. Herbal wanted to tell Joel what to do, because he wanted Joel to do everything more perfect and more professional, and Joel wasn't like that. One of the victims of that cult was, if you ever left, you would be killed. No ands, ifs, and buts about it. My brother says that he heard noises and discussions, and then all of a sudden, some shots. They kill him. It's the actual killing of my dad in brutal cold blood. They kill him right here on the 20th of August of 1972. August 20th, 1972. The Mormon fundamentalists of Colonial Baron are gathered at an airstrip in the desert of Chihuahua. The sky is lit up by bright moonlight. They're waiting for the body of their fallen prophet, Joel LeBaron, the one mighty and strong. Murdered in an ambush in a town on the Baja coast of Mexico by disciples of his brother Herbal. Murder. We're talking about murder. Naoma Stubbs was in the crowd that night at the airport. 
Joel died when I was nine years old. And I actually drove in the back of a truck when they brought his casket to the Casas Grandes airport. And I remember watching as they landed to bring his casket home. Just before midnight, huge floodlights flick on as the plane descends, lands, and the doors open. Naoma presses close with the rest of the crowd to see their prophet's body. A pickup then backs up to the plane. Joel's casket is lifted into the truck bed for his final short trip back to Colonial Baron. I remember all the men discussing what has to be done to be able to take care of his body and bring him home. Within days of burying Joel, the focus of the people of Colonial Baron turned to Ervil and his accomplices. Thanks to Joel's son Ivan identifying the killers, they had no doubts these were the people responsible for the death of Joel. He was our prophet, and we all looked up to him and admired. Plus, on top of that, now they could murder any of us. Because if Ervil could have his own brother killed, the one mighty and strong, surely no one was safe. He started threatening that he was going to murder people if they didn't do what he said. It was very terrorizing. That terror, it was part of Ervil's plan. To intimidate people so they'd fall in line behind him, so they'd join his cult. We were always threatened. Naoma's mom, Lareve Stubbs. I'm just going to tell you this. Ervil thought that if he got rid of Joel, that he could just move in and take leadership with Joel's people. Well, it didn't work. That's the problem. So the stage was set, in Ervil's mind at least. It was him against the world. From the teams at Novel and iHeartRadio, I'm Jesse Hyde, and this is Deliver Us from Herbal. Episode 2, The Massacre in Los Molinos. It was 1974 when the phone calls started. Calls threatening the townsfolk of Colonial Baron. I remember always being fearful of him because as we were growing up after he had murdered Joel, it was always the fear of them coming and attacking our town. There was a phone and they would send messages and say they're threatening this or they're threatening that. Up until now, the years since Joel's slaying had largely been quiet. And one big reason for that was Ervil had been in prison. Following Joel's killing in 72, he had slipped across the U.S. border with Dan Jordan, who had killed Joel, and some other followers, and they cut a swath across the American South, stayed in cheap motel rooms from Texas to Tennessee, planning, scheming, never in one place for more than a few days. But then, after several months on the run, Ervil did something really strange. He turned himself in. It was a gamble, a huge gamble. Back then, under Mexican law, a prosecutor only had 72 hours to gather evidence. 
And if they couldn't find enough for trial, well, then he was a free man. So this sudden move might give him an upper hand. But the gambit failed. He was charged with the murder and sentenced to 12 years in prison in Mexico. That could and should have been the end of it. But 14 months later, the appeals court reversed the conviction and Ervil was released from prison. An act of God? More likely a bribe to the right official by a member of his cult. Once released from prison in Mexico, he traveled north back into the U.S. where he could put those 14 months of brooding and scheming into action. He told his followers of a coming war. And back in Colonial Baron, those menacing phone calls had started. They tried to scare our people into life and death like that. And people were scared. So that you had to be careful, yeah, you did. Locals like Larive Stubbs were spurred into action. The town erected a watchtower on a hill. One resident even put a siren on his roof. They were taking the threats of violence from Ervil's cult seriously. Naoma remembers armed townsfolk patrolling the streets, looking for anything suspicious. They would shoot gunshots. So if you would hear those gunshots, you knew that, okay, everybody needs to take cover because we're under threat. And that would happen all the time. Those nights, we would put our sleeping bags in the weeds and sleep in the ditches because we had threats on our town. You would literally gather up the younger kids, leave the house, and then go to a ditch? Yeah. We had a ditch in front of our house that always had weeds in it because of the water. And I would always grab sleeping bag and go jump in the ditch because the fear was our roof was made out of wood and if he would throw a gas bomb on it, well, our home would be in fire and you're going to run out and he would kill us. So if you were in the ditch and you're being quiet and there's weeds, they'll never know. They wouldn't go in the ditches in my mind. How long would you stay in the ditch? Like all night? I remember one night being there all night long and waking up there in the morning time. How often do you remember it happening? I remember, I don't know, I probably went to the ditches nine, 12 times. For Naoma, this thing she feared, this thing she seemed to almost see, residents being drawn out of their homes by bombs and fire only to be gunned down as they fled, a lot of people I talked to reporting the story told me of vivid premonitions like this. And if this sounds a bit crazy, I get it. I really do. But here's an important thing to understand. Mormonism is a religion of dreams and visions and prophecies. Of magic in a way. Of the veil between heaven and earth being very thin. All Mormons believe that whether they're fundamentalists or someone like my parents. But here's the really crazy thing. This vision of violence seen by Naoma, it turned out to be right. More after the break.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I grew up in a very devout Mormon family. We were not fundamentalist. We were part of the mainstream church. As a kid, I thought a lot about what I read in scripture. And I think like a lot of kids raised in devoutly religious homes, be it Catholic, Muslim, evangelical, I thought a lot about sin. And to be honest, I feared it. I feared the judgment of God. Looking back, I've got to admit, it probably wasn't healthy, how often I felt guilty. Mormonism teaches that you can be forgiven of pretty much any sin, unless you denied the Holy Ghost. Then you become something called a son of perdition. Growing up, I didn't know exactly what that meant. I just knew I didn't want to be one, because a son of perdition gets sent to a unique kind of hell a place Mormons call outer darkness. And I'll be honest, it terrified me. I pictured like space and some little star off all by itself, cold, alone, forever, no path to redemption. It freaked me out. I say all of this because when I try to picture Ervil, especially after he killed his brother, 
when I try to think of him washing the metaphorical blood from his hands, I can't help but think of him as a son of perdition in his own sort of outer darkness. Because Ervil had crossed what, for me at least, is an unimaginable line, ordering the slaying of his own brother. And as I see it, it was a demarcation point from which he would never return. He was cast out from Colonial Baron, Eden, Zion, home, whatever you want to call it. And the rest of his days would be spent in restless wandering, like Cain after he killed his brother Abel in the book of Genesis. But if Ervil felt a weight, a darkness for killing Joel, if he felt even a semblance of that guilt and shame I knew as a kid, he didn't show it. The continued threats to Colonial Baron demonstrate that. He simply pressed on, wandering through the darkness. And it was darkness that was now spreading out from Colonial Baron and headed across Mexico, falling across the Baja coast. Mexico, which starts at the border right after San Diego, and we have been driving in total from the border for about three hours. And the highway, when you first get outside of Tijuana, it's just stunningly beautiful, just hugs the ocean. There are hotels right on the beach, then these little Mexican towns. And then the first kind of big town you come to is Rosarita. And then an hour or so after that, Ensenada. But we are driving toward a town called Los Molinas. If in Colonial Baron, Joel had yearned to create the next kingdom of God on earth, you might say Los Molinos was heaven's spillover. It was one of the major outposts of Colonial Baron where Joel and Ervil had attracted converts as their church numbers started to swell. Los Molinos, which means the windmills in Spanish, is about an hour's drive from where Joel was killed. As you pass down the highway, the beauty of the landscape is unrelenting. The light, that haze from the ocean. You pass vineyards where you can stop to drink delicious samples and eat local cheese. And then the town appears across this vast flat plain of land. It's a little more barren and dry than the countryside you've passed through. In the distance, the shore of the Sea of Cortez. And to the north, a steep hillside overlooks Los Molinos. Back when Joel was still alive in the 60s, both he and Ervil saw huge potential in the town. I've got to be honest, sometimes when you're in Colonial Baron out in the harsh desert. It's sort of hard to understand why the LeBarons thought such an inhospitable place would be the best location for Zion. But what you see when you pass along this coastline road toward Los Molinos? Well, it's much easier to imagine how the LeBarons saw its promise. For Joel and the people who ran his church after his death, the opportunity they saw was for another communal utopia, like Colonial LeBaron. 
But Ervil's vision for the town was different. He focused in on the nine miles of surrounding beachfront property. What Ervil imagined was a luxury resort, kind of his own Mar-a-Lago. He even lined up investors in the States. He flew them down on a private plane for a tour. And in typical Ervil grandiose fashion, he called it the Baja Yacht Club. I don't know, maybe he thought that was an easier sell than the next kingdom of God on earth. Even before Joel's murder, Los Molinos townsfolk had mixed loyalties between Joel's church and Ervil. One Los Molinos local I met, for instance, Joel Castillo, he was firmly behind Joel and saw him as his prophet. Our prophet said that Los Molinos was a suitable place to come and lift our people. Joel Castillo was one of Joel's earliest converts, so he moved from central Mexico to Colonial Baron, then on to Los Molinos. When I came here, I saw that it was a much better place for me in regards to the economy because we had better salaries and it was also a better place to develop. That is why we have been here since 1966 until now. But Ervil was popular in town too when he made the long trips across Mexico to visit. I remember my mom saying that Ervil really liked beans and salsa. My mom always gave him food. This is another Los Molinos resident, Deli. She grew up here, and when Ervil came to town, he would stay in her parents' home. It was a house where they gathered to study, to talk, to talk more than anything with my dad. But I remember that my mom used to happily tell me that my dad liked Ervil, but he arrived with stuff for my mom. Herbal gifted her a sewing machine and pots. Considering the mixed loyalties between Joel and Ervil, it's easy to understand that when Ervil had his brother killed, it sent Los Molinos into a state of somewhere between panic and confusion. The majority of the town continued to follow Joel's church, the Church of the Firstborn, which by 1974 was led by a man called Verlin. Verlin the Baroness is the youngest brother to Joel and Ervil, and he was seven years younger than Joel. Joel LeBaron's son Adrian took me to the spot in Los Molinos where Verlin lived. Today, it's a small, tumble-down, one-story home, a rusting gate, rusting chain-link fence. And the reason we're standing up here is because when they established Los Molinos, he brought his family here. He helped a lot to build this town, Los Molinos. He had an office here. Verlin, he didn't have the Hollywood looks of his brother Ervil. And he wasn't like his brother Joel either, really. Like he never made any kind of claim of revelation to be the one mighty and strong. That person who was chosen to unite the whole Mormon church. There was no seeing angels or hearing God's voice for Verlin. In fact, you could say he wasn't ambitious for power at all. Yet, after Joel's death, he was running the community Ervil had sought to control. This sent Ervil into a rage. And no sooner had Verlin inherited the leadership of Joel's church, his presence in Los Molinos had put the whole community squarely in Ervil's crosshairs. 
Ervil's 14 months in prison might have given the town some respite. But then, in 1974, he was released. And just like in Colonial LeBaron, the town started to receive ultimatums to fall in line under Ervil. Things didn't stop there because in 1974, everyone who didn't want to follow Erbil started receiving threats. He quoted a passage in the Bible that talks about destruction. Los Molinos residents like Joel Castillo started to receive handwritten violent threats, delivered by his own Erbil supporting neighbors. But then, just as it seemed inevitable that these threats would turn into actual violence, a strange thing happened. In late 1974, quietly, without any announcement, those families who had joined Ervil's church, the Church of the Lamb of God, started leaving Los Molinos. They just quietly packed up their homes and left. The community breathed a collective sigh of relief. We never believed that they were capable of attacking us. They left and we were having a normal life. But in 1974, they threw an attack. The attack. It's December 26th, 1974. And the moon is bright overhead. It's one of the coldest nights of the year. The town then looked much like it does today. Mostly single-story houses, small yards, the occasional garden. All in a grid system with a church in the center. Basic, not unlike a suburb in a small American town, although the roads are unpaved. The majority of the few hundred villagers that night have turned in. They're huddled around stoves to keep warm, or already in bed. Just before 9 p.m., two vehicles approach the town, flick off their headlights as they enter. The first is a brown GMC pickup, stolen from the United States. In the back of the truck are three of Ervil's most trusted lieutenants. Close behind, in a dark green Fiat driven by another follower, a teenager who will become central to the whole Ervil story. Her name is Rena Chinoth. Tonight, she's a 16-year-old onlooker. In a few months, she'll become Ervil's 13th wife. The car is passed by a house shared by four families, including Joel Aguilar, a local clam fisherman, another one of Joel's early converts. He lives with his parents and two of his married brothers. My older brother Gudulio heard shots or thunder. He looked through the window that pointed north and said that Virginia Perez's house was on fire. The tallest structure in Los Molinos was this three-story building. Everyone called it the Tower House. And Joel Aguilar saw that it was ablaze. Joel Castillo saw the fire too. And like their other neighbors who saw the Tower House burning that night, his first thought was, how can I help? At that moment, I thought it was an accidental fire. I didn't see anything evil on it. We were just there with the trust of putting the fire out, thinking it's okay, things happen, fires happen. Fires happen. 
But the Tower House fire was no accident. It had been caused by a Molotov cocktail. And shooters were now hiding in the shadows about 20 yards away. Their target standing before them, perfectly silhouetted against the burning house. More after the break. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The first fire in Los Molinos that night was under control in a little more than 10 minutes. Neighbors had worked together to get the tower house blaze under control, like Joel Castillo and his brother Fernando, who had climbed to an upper floor of the burning house and from there had successfully fought back the flames. But the fire was a trap. On the second floor where my brother was, he suddenly felt a bullet and told me, I have been shot. Ervil had ordered the fire just to lure out his brother Verlin. Once again, Ervil was trying to kill one of his brothers. And the way he planned it, as leader of the community, Verlin surely would come out to join his neighbors in tackling the blaze. 
The shooters who were now firing from the shadows would execute Verlin as he came running to help. But so far, Verlin hadn't shown up. And as the blaze subsided, the shooters were now at risk of being spotted by men like Joel and Fernando Castillo on the upper floors of the tower house. Before they could lose the element of surprise, they opened fire. That's when I realized how dangerous this was. So I grabbed my brother and jumped from the second floor into a pile of sand. Joe Castillo's brother landed on the floor, bleeding. So I pulled my brother close. He could still walk a little. And as I took him, I told him, stay here. At that instant, I got shot in my hand. Now, both men had been wounded. Joel Castillo moved his brother to a sheltered spot as he tried to process exactly what was going on. He told him, Stay here because something is happening. It started to dawn on Joel Castillo that this was a trap. But who were these attackers he now saw coming from the shadows? Their faces seemingly distorted, partially obscured by some kind of cloth-like mask. Then, as shooters moved away from the shadows, the townsfolk started to make out facial features. Some were alarmingly familiar. Los Molinos resident Deli can remember her sister's shock as she realized she recognized an attacker. And she looked at him and saw it was her friend, the friend that almost became her boyfriend. This was someone she had been to school with, sat with him in class. She saw his eyes. He was completely covered, and she saw his eyes and recognized him. And he turned and saw her and ran away. Other townsfolk were coming to the same awful realization. Not only were they under attack, but the assailants were the children of their former neighbors. Most of the attackers were kids. Joel Baron's son, Adrian, took me to the place where this all happened. And the kids that Adrian is talking about, they were teenagers from the town. It's amazing how children, not 13, 14, 15, 16, 18-year-olds, can be swung to the opposite side so easy doing the attack. <laughs> They're in a dangerous spot of life, so easy convinced of something else. And those are the people that Herbal somehow brainwashed It was powerful. As the teenagers attacking Los Molinos realized Verlin wasn't going to come out to fight the fire, they switched to their next phase of the assault. Basically an all-out attack. These teenagers started firing randomly at the panicking crowd. One attacker moved towards a wounded 16-year-old boy a boy named Moroni Mendez. Moroni was on the ground, moaning and crying. And this attacker stood over Moroni and shot him in the chest. Now the attackers left the burning tower house and headed toward Verlin's home. Joel Castillo, who had been shot in the hand, had made it back to his house. From there, he could see that the attackers had split into two groups, one moving through the town on foot, the other by car. 
both sets randomly firing into residents' homes. They were shooting house by house, so I panicked. I didn't even tell my wife I was hurt. What I did tell her was, you know what? Go and look for a place to hide. Up there, where the trees are. Go over there and hide, because we are being attacked by Edwil's people. The teenagers weren't just randomly firing at people. They were now also throwing these handmade bombs at the houses. They'd shoot at the people, fleeing their burning buildings. One group of attackers arrived at clam fisherman Joel Aguilar's house. Mi hermano se asomó por la ventana. My brother Edmundo Aguilar went and looked through the window. He went towards the window, and at the moment he opened the curtain and looked, he got shot. He got shot in the head. And then a Molotov bomb was thrown through the same window by the same wicked men. That bomb was made out of petroleum base and had a wick inside a bottle. The bullet and the bomb were at the same time and the bullet hit him in his head. And the bomb lit and fell on him, setting his body on fire. My brother then, as I wake up, he fell to the floor with a bullet in his head while being on fire. My dad then took a bed sheet and tried to put out my brother's body. We then all woke up and my mom tried to hug Edmundo, but he had a lot of pain and kept rolling from one way to another. My mom cried. We all cried. He was in so much pain. The attackers arrived at Verlin's home. Here they threw nearly a dozen Molotov cocktails on the roof, fired round after round through the windows. But Verlin still didn't emerge. And that is because, unknown to the attackers, he wasn't anywhere near the town that night. He had fled to Honduras, leaving days before the attack. Seeing one brother already slain by Ervil's cult was enough to convince him to take Ervil's recent threats to the town more seriously. But he'd left behind his wife Charlotte and their small kids, as well as his congregation. And now his family were following the same procedure rehearsed by residents of Colonial Baron, hiding in the town's ditches, just yards away from their burning home. And other families in Los Molinos were now also hiding their small children from the onslaught as the attackers continued their seemingly random assaults on different houses. But my husband, he was wounded. He just didn't show me. He demanded his rifle and grabbed it with his uninjured hand. He only said to me, go out back, take the kids and hide. They are killing people out there. Joel Castillo's wife, Julia Cardoba, had hoped she could wait out the onslaught. But now, looking out from her window, she clearly saw other homes going up in flames. So I left and hid. There was a beautiful, bright moon. It almost felt like daylight. I went to hide. I had my three kids and I was pregnant. I told the kids to hold on to me 
as I grabbed the youngest one to leave. It was December. It was very cold. I gave a blanket to my oldest son and we left. I let them down and I told him, it looks like someone is burning the houses. We were looking at the houses from where we were in case they set our house on fire. Stay here, I told my four-year-old Victor, to which he replied, yes, mommy. Hiding in the flickering shadows of their burning home, the community of Los Molinos waited in sheer terror for what would come next. But by 10 p.m., the raid was over. The attackers fled along that same highway I had driven into town on, rejoining their families in Ervil's cult. Meanwhile, in Los Molinos, the people gathered the wounded. Joel Aguilar remembers four women and 11 men ranging in age from 16 to 78 years old, had been shot. They were taken to a local hospital. The most severe cases were my brother Edmundo Aguilar, with a bullet in his head, and another young man whose name was Moroni Mendes. They were there for three days. After three days, my brother Edmundo died around 1 p.m., and Moroni around 3 p.m. The nurses all said it was a beautiful day. The sun suddenly came out of the clouds, but the clouds came back. And then it rained. The earth shook. And then a peace. But later on, the earth shook again. standing on a hill above Los Molinas, or Zarahemla, as they call it today. Standing here, looking down over the town. When I visited Los Molinos to see for myself the site of the attack, I ended up on the hill, the one that overlooks the town. Where we stand, you can see all the way to the ocean, and it's beautiful. It was on the same hill in 1972, just before he had ordered his brother dead, that Ervil had pretty much laid out his entire plan to one resident a man named Fernando Castro. He was Deli's dad. Deli, whose mom Ervil would give gifts to whenever he visited town. On this hill, Ervil had told Fernando Castro about both his desire to kill his brother and to take control of Los Molinos. He offered him a role in his cult in exchange for his loyalty and help. But Fernando wasn't interested. Or maybe he just couldn't comprehend that Ervil would actually do all this. Anyway, now I'm back at that very spot, looking out over the same view of Los Molinos with Fernando's daughter, Deli. I'm also with Adrian. He's the son of Joel O'Baron and the nephew of Ervil. Today, Deli and Adrian are married. Deli is one of Adrian's three wives. She points down to the town below us and tells me about what life was like for the community in the aftermath of the attack. The people who lived here were still unsure whether Ervil's cult would return with more violence and destruction. In my life and mine, the sound of the ocean still connects to what happened that day. 
The ocean reminds me of the massacre. That's what we say. Where those two palm trees are is where the whole town went to hide at night to sleep. We were scared and we were told that you cannot sleep at your home. You have to go and spend the night at the houses that are further away. Up here at the top of the hill, I can see brown earth and the charred remains of buildings below me. In total, 24 homes had been firebombed that day. 24! Several were completely gutted. And to be frank, it seems like in some ways this town hasn't really been able to move on much from what happened that night. There never has been any justice for what happened in the Los Molinos massacre. Not that day, not ever. Two residents, one of them just a teenage boy, were dead. And the dreams this community had for a communal utopia, for prosperity, even today that is still their struggle. But Ervil's followers' cowardly attack on their own town seems to have stopped Los Molinos in its tracks. Then, as Deli and I continue to talk, she says something that catches me off guard. I still love Herbal. Why? Because Herbal is responsible for my mom and my dad coming here. I'm stunned. She still loves Herbal. And it's not just me who is shocked to hear this. So is Adrian. Herbal was the man who ordered his father dead. I look across at Adrian and I see that he's crying. Adrian, there was something she said that seemed to make you kind of emotional. What was that? Or why did it make you emotional? The, 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 way, she, the, the way she feels that makes me feel this because it's, it's sad to, to see this story. It got me emotional. See, much. I, it, to me, let's say, it's, it's, it's very interesting. To me, it's, uh, okay, he killed my dad, so he should pay for it. But then... But then, if you start thinking who he was for, for my dad, and it doesn't matter if he became possessed or obsessed with the evil spirit, it doesn't change the fact that we lost a beautiful soul. Because to me, Herbal was a beautiful soul. This is real crucial for me. I'm learning that. And this seems even more incredible. Adrian's dad was murdered by Herbal. In fact, not just his dad, Joel was also his prophet. But somehow, Adrian has similar feelings towards Ervil as Delhi. This is one of the more remarkable, and I gotta say, challenging things about Ervil. The love and loyalty he was able to extract from people, no matter what he did. And as I'm standing there on that hill overlooking the town of Los Molinos, I wonder, was that how he was able to get away with manipulating people to kill in his name? Because there is no denying the hold Ervil had over certain people. Even after the attack on Los Molinos, you could say he was only really just getting started. He was headed from Delhi, from Joel Castillo, Joel Aguilar, Julia Cardoba, but Ervil would continue to be chased and hunted by people like Larive Stubbs and others in Colonial Baron as he continued his restless wandering through the darkness. 
Ervil was headed to America to expand his cult to new followers. And there, he would find more disciples willing to shed more blood in his name. They were going to go out and save the world. Ervil was their leader, and they all got on this ship to go out and save the world. And as they went along, it started sinking, started dragging, and things weren't good, and then it caught on fire. That's coming up in Episode 3. Deliver Us from Herbal is hosted by me, Jesse Hyde, and written and reported by me, Leona Hamid, and David Waters. Production from Leona Hamid and David Waters, Sean Glynn and Max O'Brien are executive producers. Lena Chang and Megan Oyinka are researchers. Mariana Gongora is our field producer. Fact-checking by Danya Suleiman and Sona Avakian. Production management from Cherie Houston, Frankie Taylor, and Charlotte Wolf. Austin Mitchell is our creative director of production. Michael E. Rao is our managing editor. Gavin Haynes is our head of development. Willard Foxton is our creative director of development. Sound design, mixing, and scoring by Nicholas Alexander and Daniel Kempson. Music supervision by Nicholas Alexander and David Waters. Our music is composed by Julian Lynch. Special thanks to Scott Anderson, Scott Carrier, Del Van Atta, Pippa Smith, Saskia Edwards, Matt O'Mara, Katrina Norvell, and Beth Ann Macaluso, Oren Rosenbaum, Shelby Shankman, and all the team at UTA. For more from Novel, visit novel.audio. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Hey there, all you lovely listeners. Let's dive into this latest release that is going to suck the life out of you in the best way possible. So listen up, because the Womanizer Next 3D Pleasure Air Stimulator, available from Pink Cherry, takes pleasure to a whole new dimension, literally. Imagine taking the speed and intensity of the original groundbreaking Pleasure Air technology combined with new Climax Control, so you can control even the depth of the airwaves. The 3D Pleasure Air technology offers a deeper, richer sensation that might just transport you to another universe of pleasure. The Womanizer Next 3D, available from Pink Cherry, is the only toy that allows you to take complete control of your orgasm journey with fully customizable speeds, intensities, and depths. Made from soft-touch silicone, a fully waterproof body, and smart silence technology, you can enjoy pleasure anywhere, anytime. So what are you waiting for? Ditch the doll and enjoy unparalleled pleasure from the Womanizer Next 3D, available from Pink Cherry. Visit PinkCherry.com and save an extra 20% off with code NEXT. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. 
Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.